0: morning, CBF. Hope all of you are doing well in health and in spirit. I want to praise God and thank God for technology that enables us to remember our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A few weeks back, Charlie had spoken to us and reminded us of unbelievers that might be existing in a church or in a congregation, uh, and he was Warning us from the parable of the ten virgins that we could be mimicking Christianity, we could be mimicking Christianist vocabulary and we could be going through the daily motions of Christianity and yet there is a possibility that they might not be found in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spotlight was on unbelievers. This week I want to just turn the spotlight onto believers in the light of His second coming. In fact, I want to ask and answer the question: What does it look like? What does a believer need to do in the light of eternity? Or a broader question would be: What must a believer be doing while he is here on earth post his born-again salvation experience? Now. We're going to look at two passages that uh, uh, we will explore today. The first passage is 2 Peter chapter 3 and the second passage is Ephesians chapter 4. So let's turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 3 verses 14 to 18. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 14 to 18. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation just as our dear brother Paul wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction therefore dear friends since you already know this be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and our savior jesus christ to him be glory both now and forever Amen. Peter is actually warning in this passage to be on guard against false teachers. These false teachers distract genuine believers with erroneous teaching. In fact, if you read 2 Peter chapter 2, 13 and 14, it describes who these false false teachers are. What is their goal? And it reads like this. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasure while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. Now here comes their prime objective. They seduce the unstable. They seduce the unstable. Peter is telling the church that the only way to not be carried away by false teachers or erroneous teaching is to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he is saying... He's commanding all believers to progress towards spiritual maturity. That is one sure shot way not to be deceived. In fact, in verse 14 itself, Peter says the same thing, albeit in a bit of different terminology. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, that is the second coming, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Here again. The idea is not sinlessness. The idea is not perfection. But you're progressing towards this spiritual position, this spiritual calling. You know, essentially he's saying you cannot just coast along here on earth because it is a sin-bound world. You are in the very, you and I are in the very presence of sin. We are not insulated from sin in this world that we live in. The Lord expects us to discern. The Lord expects us to uh, understand where we are sinning and also to confess and repent of our ways. And for that, he's asking us to put all energy, all effort, leave no stone unturned to progress in this positional calling of holiness and peace. And so what are believers supposed to do while, while we are here on earth till his return? He's asking us to press on towards spiritual maturity now the thing the two things that we have picked up so far is that spiritual maturity that progressing to spiritual maturity is not an option it is a command and we just read in verse 14 that this requires us to make every effort therefore progressing to spiritual maturity requires us be active. Our efforts need to be active. We have a responsibility to participate. We cannot be passive in the process and in the progress towards spiritual maturity. Before we proceed further, I think it is good to define what spiritual maturity is because we might have different understanding on it and I just want us to be on the same page and therefore there is no confusion. In simple terms, spiritual maturity is the process by which The Holy Spirit forms us into Christ-likeness after we are born again. I'll repeat that, it is the process by which the Holy Spirit forms us into Christ-likeness after we are born again. Now, it is also a practical synonym for the notion of sanctification. Other terms that are interchangeably used by believers as well as even by the authors in, in, in Scripture Uh, are terms like biblical spirituality, true spirituality, perfection, mature, complete, fullness of Christ, image of Christ, imitators of Christ. You see all of these terminologies are actually implying the same thing. So next time when you read scriptures and when you read different passages, you see, all of them are speaking actually about the same thing and, and, and those are expressed in different words. Let's look at one more passage that gives us this command to progress towards spiritual maturity. And that passage is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians 4.1 reads like this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, command you, urge you, plead with you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. See the root word of this term worthy is the same implication as axis. And the word axis is used usually when we talk about scales, right? So there is when you want to measure two objects in the olden times, especially, and even some sometimes now, you got you know two weighing balances, and you put something on this side. And then you wait with weights on the other side. And he's using the same word here. It's the term called axis. And what he's talking about is in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, there is your positional calling. And this positional calling tells you that you are so precious to God, that you are adopted children, that you are forgiven, that there is a glorious inheritance for you. And all of these are for every believer who trusts in Jesus Christ. Now, he's saying this part of that weight is so heavy. Now, he's saying in the light of all of that, in the light of all that has been already given to you, walk in the manner worthy of that calling. He's saying, look, if this is so heavy, then start walking in a manner where your behavior matches this belief. Your conduct matches the script. Your walk and your talk really needs to be equivalent, and that is the calling that he is inviting us to in the light of the truth and the doctrine laid out in Ephesians chapter one to chapter three. One of the significant things that we need to remember is that God does not ask us to do anything. That he has not already done for us. 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 13 states that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You see every Kamahan given to us is based on all that God has already done or deposited in your account the moment we believed. So you see for progressing to spiritual maturity there is no reloading of any ammunition required. You are already empowered, fully loaded to progress to spiritual maturity. We don't walk in our own flesh or in our own strength. So far we have covered defined what spiritual maturity is. It is a process by which the Holy Spirit forms us into Christ-likeness and we saw that it is a command, it is not an option. We saw that there is no other way uh, to progress into this apart from uh, making all efforts that we have to cooperate and we have to be participants in that journey number three you are already empowered fully loaded to progress towards spiritual maturity now since we have defined this let's now talk about what spiritual maturity looks like and so I just want to you know paint a fair portrait or a fair idea of the profile of spiritual maturity so that you know what you're progressing towards right and there are multiple scriptural references for this but I just want to look at just two of them in this brief time that we have second peter chapter 1 verses 5 to 7 presses all believers again he's saying the same thing to make every effort to add to your faith goodness knowledge self control perseverance brotherly kindness love in fact verse 8 says For if these qualities are yours and are in increasing measure, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you see, if these Christ-like qualities are increasing in your life and in increasing measure, it simply means you are spiritually growing. Be encouraged. Another verse that personally to me uh, is a is one of the portraits of spiritual maturity is galatians 5 22. it gives us the qualities of who a spiritually maturing person is and it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control these are qualities Or the targets that we need to be looking at and when a believer is growing in each of these qualities than yesteryears, then he is spiritually progressing or growing. So now we have learned what the portrait of a spiritually mature person is and now we know the target. It is Christ-like character and therefore now we need to go to the next question. How does one get from where we are today to really reach this target of Christlikeness? I, I, you know, I must know where I am before I need to, you know, proceed to a direction that I, uh, that I need to go. So, in other words, what is the what is the process to progress from where I stand today towards maturity? Now, Dr. Max Anders, he's a noted author. Uh, I think he also uh, was part of Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, He says that spiritual maturity has five main elements or components, although there could be a bit more in my view. But, you know, each point is actually a sermon in itself. But I'll just do a teaser sum up for the remaining time we have. Uh, For those who love mathematics, I love math. Uh, Dr. Max Anders has, in fact, crafted an equation for spiritual maturity using these five elements. Number one, the first element that he says is it is the work of God. It is the work of God. You see, the spiritual process always begins, always begins with God. As Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13 states, He is the one who gives us the desire to do His will. And He is the one who gives us increasing ability to do His will. It is His Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sins and moves us and calls us to righteousness. John 16 8. It is his Holy Spirit who enables us to understand the truth of scripture. We cannot understand it on our own and he gradually changes us so that our character begins to reflect God's character which is revealed or it, the, the portrait is Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. You see that is the work of God. It always begins with God. That's number one. The second component that he talks about is personal commitment and we talked about that that we need to make every effort and in, in fact the word make every effort is is, is, is is Like the training of an athlete, right? The one who's preparing for games and races It's that kind of focused disciplined training that he's talking about and he says in personal commitment that we must Respond to this work of God Philippians two twelve, in fact states that it tells us to work out our salvation We are not Passive in the spiritual growth process, we cannot generate our own spiritual growth. But God will not grant us spiritual growth unless we are also pursuing it. Francis Schaeffer actually called this active passivity. He says we cannot do it, but God will not do it unless we are pursuing it. Now, a simple analogy would be: you know, if there is a pipe, you know, a pipe or a hose that is connected to a tap. for you and I to get water the very thing that we should be doing is we must at least turn on the tap I mean without that we will not get it and that's the part that we are talking about we need to just cooperate and participate in the work that God is already doing in our lives he expects us to will and to act we have to make our choice so we so far so the work of God which is the first element second is personal commitment the third one is the Word of God. Now, we have emphasized this quite a bit, even in our church. The Word of God is essential to the spiritual growth process. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 32. To the degree that we are not aware of the truth, we are vulnerable to ignorance and deception. Are you making all effort to get into the Word of God? Or is the Bible something that we open only on specific occasions? Or when we are really in trouble? Or when we are looking to discern God's will into the future, suddenly some of us get very spiritual and we start opening the Bible. Brothers and sisters, that might not be the way. We must invest our time into the Word of God for that reveals the wisdom of God. And that becomes truth and life to us the fourth component is other believers in other words it's fellowship you see the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone in fact God himself has stacked the deck against us we need others and here is something else others need us too in Ephesians four eleven to 13 it says the whole body grows to maturity when we all do our part in the church especially when we use our spiritual gifts in fact for those of us here in CBF who are living isolated lives not connected to anyone on a regular basis the Lord of kinds the Lord has a word for you you are living in willful disobedience by not participating in the life of of the church. You are not cooperating in the process of spiritual maturity. There is another there, there is probably another side to this. That when you are not participating in the life of other believers, then other believers are also missing out from your spiritual gifts that progress them to spiritual maturity. Spiritual isolation is one of the barriers to spiritual growth. May I encourage each one of us who are not especially connected uh, in meaningful ways to your cell groups or your community. Can I encourage you to please consider? On a lighter and serious note, and a serious note too, for those of us who are married, I think this is also a good time to turn around to our spouses and thank them for being one of the key elements of our sanctification or spiritual maturity. Singles, you are not alone too. You can also thank and praise God for every other member in a church who's a key member of your sanctification, key element of your sanctification. I know some of us bug you, call you, follow up with you, and you feel quite irritated sometimes, but they have one goal. And I want to tell this on behalf of the ones who also pursue, and I want to tell that they have only one goal that it is to ensure that you are on the path to Christ-likeness. There is no other intention, there is no other gain than we finding our co-believers walking in the in, in joy and in love with God. So, church, are we exercising our gifts to build others to maturity? Are you making all efforts to be actively part of your small group community or your weekly cell? or do we see that as optional and the last one that Max Andrews talks about as the fifth point it's basically two sub points it says time and trials see the process of growing to spiritual maturity always takes place over time and includes trials so two components time and trials, trials are also part of it as for time first Peter 2 2 states like newborn babies Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Just as a physical baby must grow to physical maturity over time, so a spiritual baby must grow to spiritual maturity over time. Like someone said, be patient. You can't, you cannot be holy in a hurry. And this is to all those fast moving guys who says I want to be so spiritually mature and I I want it right now God always permits time in this growth to spiritual maturity be patient apart from time it also takes trials and sufferings to grow into spiritual maturity this is not very celebrated but James puts it very well in verses 2 to 4 in James chapter 1 he says consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete or mature lacking in nothing these are the key five components of spiritual growth now I would just like to move on to the barriers, some, some barriers to spiritual maturity. Um, and I think one reason that some of us, or many of us, would not have progressed to spiritual maturity is probably because of spiritual ignorance. You are not aware of this. Right? You never you you, you are not aware. You mean you, you're probably not aware of what is this process called justification, sanctification, and glorification. In one sense, now you, you've got an idea you got an idea now that after that you're born again, you've got to be pursuing or walking in a manner to that positional calling that you have been called to. And therefore, now you are not in ignorance. You are aware. Proceed to spiritual maturity. Second reason that could be a barrier to spiritual maturity is that you know all of this. And uh, you and I are just probably plain lazy. We are... Maybe some of us have decided to get holy after we pursue our career goals or after we pursue our educational goals. Or maybe, uh, you know, some of us wait for retirement and then say, I will spend all my energy at the age of 60 or 70. And we are saying, I am busy now. I got higher or better priorities. But the last I checked, the last I checked, and if all of you love physics, the moment of inertia still exists. Do you remember what was the... Definition of moment of inertia. It says that the body continues to be in a state of rest or state of uniform motion Unless an external force acts on it. You see every morning I have a desire to get up and jog and go for a walk and it's ardent every night I would decide this. It is a desire that I would want to pursue. I get up in the morning And then I go lie down again The complete thing disappears It is not desire anymore. It goes away and We need to make all that effort. You are that external force that needs to make that effort to cooperate. Remember, there is no standstill Christianity. If you are not growing, you are stagnating. and That's something that we need to consider. The third reason that hinders spiritual maturity is just plain disobedience. I mean, we are not obeying what we already know. Many of us have been exposed to scripture for such a long time in our lives. I mean, we have been through multiple Bible studies, multiple online sermons on YouTube, one-on-one discipleships, you have having probably great devotions. Like Prof Hendricks once said, he said, "It's not many of us not only know the truth, we are embalmed by the truth. It is no wonder that many Christians don't progress to spiritual maturity. We are just consumers of truth, but we are not doers of that truth or the word that was revealed to us. So dear CDF, how are we progressing in our spiritual maturity? Are you growing? Is your patience increasing? Is your self-control increasing? Or are you beset by uncontrolled emotions? Are you anxious? Are you oversensitive? Are you losing your peace? Do you have jealousy and hatred towards others? Do you have an unforgiving spirit? Do you always want to be in control? Do you want to give up too soon? Are you in any form of addiction? Are you living a defeated life? And I think in all probability you are living the Christian life in your own flesh and strength probably veneered with a lot of religious activities but producing no fruit. Imagine where would we be as a church when all the saints are growing and maturing together. Of course we will all be in different phases of growth not I mean, we are not perfect, we are all progressing towards that. We are growing in our patience, we are growing in our love, we are growing in self-control, we are growing in all all of these areas. But imagine when we are all together on that trajectory towards spiritual maturity. Imagine if you all exercised our obedience to God's word. Imagine when we all participate in each other's lives. Imagine when we as a church are growing into christ-likeness and that when unbelievers see our community they would be it would be so irresistible for them the gospel would be so easy for them to accept because it becomes so attractive the kind of qualities that jesus has when it is revealed to us that is irresistible my dear brothers and sisters the call to spiritual maturity Demands that we radically reorder our lives for growth. Time is running outside. Redeem the time that you have. Things will get over soon. And let's make every effort to participate in God's sanctification process. Now I end with 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory of now and till the day of eternity.